keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. All right, welcome everybody to Wrestle Roasts. I am your host, Dan St. Germain. It is the Roast of Cain. We got Robert, we got Zach, we got Scott, we got Mike. How are you guys doing? Good. Not bad. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about Dynamite this week. That episode was fucking awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. And you know who's also awesome? Kane, but we'll be getting it. Yes. Uh, just uh, give you some uh, heads up on some roasts coming up. We got Scott Steiner, Cindy Whopper, Andre the Giant, Charlotte Flair, a bunch of people coming up uh, for our $5 tier. We're doing the roast of Nick Gage this Monday, uh, then World War Three. Then we're going to review an MLW show. Then QT Marshall's The Wrestler. Then we're off. The Roast to Rideback, another mailback episode. Jingle all the way to... We're off day one review, the roast of Inoki. So a lot of fun stuff coming up on our Patreon. Uh, and if you're a member of the $10 tier this week, you got Raw, Rob, Robert reviewing Raw and me reviewing Bound for Glory and Halloween Havoc. Leave a five-star review. Uh, leave comments, guys. Join the YouTube, join the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, subscribe. T-shirts are available on both Robert and my pro wrestling tease pages but let's get to the roast of Kane and of course before we roast Kane we got to talk to the bright side of Kane and there's a lot uh, I, I've got a ton of notes on Kane but Robert start start off uh, what, what are your feelings uh, about the big red machine I mean Kane was an awesome big man he was a big man who changed the way that we think about uh, guys of that size in terms of his agility in terms of the flexibility of his character. I mean, we're going to get into a number of the gimmicks that he had, but he put his all into whatever they gave him for a while. If you were just big or tall, that's all you needed to be. You didn't need to have charisma. You didn't need to go to the top rope. You didn't need to try. You just needed to be above six, seven, six, eight, uh, and, and not kill anybody. And even if you killed somebody, it was still probably okay. Uh, he was sneakily very, very funny. Uh, his character, would shift sometimes and, and he would show that comedic side, which was a lot of fun. And he was a great ambassador for the WWE. He was a really eloquent, well-spoken. I'm not talking about him. He's dead. He's not dead. He's just an elected <laughs> official, but he was a great ambassador where you see this guy who's this horror movie monster come to life. And then you put him on a be a star campaign and he's going to kill for you every time when he's out there, he's someone you can put on the news shows and he's going to come across as really intelligent as opposed to some wrestlers you put out there and you're like, I don't know that I necessarily want them vouching for the company. Uh, and he's been a loyal company man for a very, very long time. Um, it, it's hard to really say a lot of negatives about Kane the person without getting into shitty booking that he had no control over or bad political decisions in the current era, which don't really fit into the bright side. 
Scotty, you a cane guy? Yeah, I've always been a cane guy, man. Um, a lot of my friends who don't like wrestling, Kane is their favorite wrestler for some reason. I don't know if it's an age thing or something. Uh, but it's like yeah, a horror bro- movie thing, I think. It's also a red flag about your friends. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. There was also a girl who, you know, that whole May 19th uh, Kane yeah, thing. Yeah. The movie promotion thing. I've said this a few times on the podcast, but there was like a deranged girl in my high school who would started wearing t-shirts that said may 19th and like everybody got worried that she was going to do something at the school on may 19th she was like being influenced by a by like a way to sell a movie <laughs> but you know <laughs> yeah, she made, she made just everybody watch see no see no see uh what's it called see no evil see no evil saw no movie uh but yeah kane man i mean he is a wrestler, actually, like in terms of timeline and me watching wrestling, I think when he blew up is when I got into wrestling and he has been someone who has been there the entire time up until like two years ago or something. And he's had like at least 10 storylines that are phenomenal and that's rare. I mean, spread out through an almost 30 year career, if not 30 years, uh, yeah, man, I loved everything he did. I loved him in the Rumbles. I loved his fights with Taker. I liked his fights with Austin. I loved his shit with Brian Danielson. Um, top-notch worker. Yeah, that's that's all I got to say. One of the best. I got, he's the first wrestler I ever got, got to autograph, I think. And I was afraid of him as a child. Mike. Yeah, Kane's awesome. I mean, I... I compare him, you know, as, as, as my comic book mind does, he's kind of like Venom, or, you know, like you had Undertaker as Spider-Man for years, and then, oh, this more evil version comes out, and it's fucking cool. Uh, I am one of the biggest Paul Bearer marks probably ever. Uh, I know uh, Amico is too, and uh, the success of Kane relies so much on those blubbery shoulders. Uh they were such a great I, fucking. I think I liked Paul Bear better with Kane than Taker, even though I loved him with Taker. With Kane, he was a blast. Yeah, and he did all the heavy lifting and all that storytelling, and they were just a great fucking visual together. Um, they complemented each other well. And I mean, you know, I know Jobber is like somebody who loses, but I also think Jobber is just someone who does any fucking job you ask of them, and that is Kane. <laughs> Kane is the ultimate utility player. I mean, the fact that like he had not great gimmicks, but they still gave him this thing. I mean, it, it should it should be a lesson to anyone in show business, any aspiring wrestlers, like eat your shit sometimes, be, be fake Diesel, be Yankum, be a professional about it, and you could find the hit character that lasts 25 years. I, I think that fact that he had those gimmicks before this one uh, or just be six seven (laughs) but it's a you know it's a testament to uh glenn i think that he obviously was someone they wanted to keep uh, finding something to do with and then they did i mean even in storylines that suck he's great like you know i i feel like j and j security and all that stuff is kind of a little underrated because you know triple h and stephanie kind of suck but corporate Kane. No, I, th- I thought the authority when they first came around was awesome. Yeah, yeah, and corporate Kane's hilarious. Like, <laughs> and it's also like he seems like 
one of the most human people in wrestling, which is which is why it's even funnier. I I mean, one of my favorite moments ever in wrestling has to be that Survivor Series last year when every guy like was you know is the Undertaker retirement and everyone shows up in like normal like in suits and stuff like it's a bachelor party and Kane's there in full Kane gear. <laughs> I love this so much because most of those guys are like actual cartoon characters and he's a human being and here he was the one looking like a cartoon character but well, I think it's, just it's worth cool. pointing out one of the best gears in the history of wrestling uh yeah. the the mask and the way that they inver- I remember when they did the inverted cane where it was black and red instead of red and black it was it was a really fantastic look they they evolved his look over time a fantastic entrance the the pyro going off and that explosion would make the audience jump it was such a fantastic presentation that even if he sucked and was a terrible wrestler if it was like great Kali style bad the gimmick still would have worked for a while based solely on production's presentation of him yeah, his, song, like- his song is so good we know the name of it yeah and it's not kane's entrance you know it's fire and brimstone right i didn't fuck that up there right and there's also the slow chemical one the finger 11 song that he came out to which wasn't bad <laughs> no that's that's Finger how 11 was yeah that's how good kane is he made finger 11 tolerable and for, for finger 11 jerry lawler um but for um <laughs> for uh for, for looks we go I, I go sleeve one one sleeve one sleeveless that, that that's my like i think that's the best yeah game. me too Worst was uh, the uh, Joel Schumacher came where you saw his nipple through the costume. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'll just go through my notes real quick. Uh, His debut at the first Hell in a Cell is truly incredible. Um, Just an interesting backstory as a guy. He was born in Spain on an Air Force base, double sport player in college, not to sound like Jim Ross. You know, all the stuff you guys mentioned with Undertaker and Daniel Bryan was fantastic the dr shelby stuff before that guy kind of got tired uh i love corporate Kane, mike i I totally agree he's kind of like alexa bliss and that even if it's a bad bit it's not his fault um i have not heard one bad story about him backstage the closest i could come this was was, hilarious you said this to me was jerry jarrett being upset that Kane didn't say hi to him at a party which it's like if you want to like, if you want to go through like wrestling horror stories, I mean, in a lot of ways, not saying hi to Jerry Jarrett is definitely a bright side. So, um, apparently, the safest worker of all time. I heard taking a choke slam from Kane is like landing on pillows. I heard this from Chavo Guerrero and like one of Trevor Murdoch's students, who who said that uh, to Trevor Murdoch. TLC matches with Shield with Austin were awesome. The Raw with Austin was really fun. Um, you know, he's the mayor of Knox County, won a tight, tight Republican primary and then destroyed the Democrat. Um, and I'd much rather have Kane as president over Trump, Ted Cruz, Ron DeSantis, Trump Jr., Mitch McConnell, Major Taylor Green, a bunch of others. There, there's nothing inherently wrong about being a libertarian. You know, you're anti-war, you're anti-drug war, pro-prostitution, softer on immigration than Republicans, civil rights, even lower taxes. It's it's just it. In my mind, like some of the world doesn't run like that. Um, he's anti yeah, like he's never... anti-gambling in baseball based on the way he handled Pete Rose. Yeah, it's <laughs> like you don't know cities exist and you don't know how they operate. 
and why that would never work. I, I also love that that Dan rat, rattled off the uh, the uh, politicians he likes Kane more than like their his own title wins. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, you know, like there's a lot of great Republican like Loud Zoo and Camus and you know even Ron Paul. You know, even though I don't agree with a lot of his politics. Uh, there's a lot of good libertarian thinkers, and uh, who did Ron Paul ever beat? <laughs> he's been married for over 25 years. Uh, runs an insurance agency with his wife. Seems like a great guy. Very well. Dan, Dan goes. There's a lot of great libertarian thinkers. Penn Jillette, Matt and Trey from South Park. Dave Smith. <laughs> one, one, one half of Penn yeah. and Teller. He just starts yeah. saying the same guy. <laughs> yeah. The directors of Orgasmo. Oh, <laughs> it was true. The voiceover uh, guy from Comedy Central. <laughs> I don't think Kane is. I don't think he is. Uh, as far as kayfabe accomplishments, uh, WWE champ, World Heavyweight champ, ECW champ, WCW tag champ, two-time Intercontinental champion, nine-time WWE tag team champion, Money in the Bank winner, uh, WWE Hall of Fame Pro Wrestling Illustrated Tag Team of the Year with Xbox. This guy's done everything. Oh no, I think my dog's about to puke. Can we get the the draws clip now? (laughs) He's He's gonna puke. (laughs) This fire burns uh, because uh, the dog ate some of Dan's chalupa. I just like that the dog looks like Pepe. Like we're really tying this all in together. Let's start with the roast. Yeah, um, the roast. Mike, you uh, pick the order while I clean this one. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll go first on this one. Um, today, we are roasting the shittiest seven-foot-tall wrestler that isn't currently commentating on AW, AEW Dark Evolution. It's gotta be! It's gotta be Kane! <laughs> he struggled as a dentist and Kevin Nash impersonator but realized there was a lot more money in playing a mute burned victim that hates Pete Rose. (laughs) Third time's the charm. He played an evil monster in the ring and now an even worse one in politics. (laughs) He originally was a libertarian, but realized that was too hard to spell for the dumb fucks in Knox County. So now he's one of them repubs. Kane may have been responsible for Katie Vick's death, but unlike Glenn Jacobs, Kane would have let her have an abortion. <laughs> we all know he was going to make Lee to keep that baby. Snitsky was the hero in that story. <laughs> Kane has the power to rip doors off cages, and Glenn Jacobs has the power to put kids inside them. <laughs> the only two times he'll take his mask off is when he loses to Triple H or shows up at any grocery store. If I have to get vaccinated, I will set myself on fire. (laughs) Kane has the most Royal Rumble eliminations, the second most eliminations, combining alcohol with pills. (laughs) (laughs) He may have half the Undertaker's charisma, but he does have double his Blue Lives Matter memorabilia. Kane was in the Brothers of Destruction, a name Hogan later used to describe those two guys that had a threesome with Brooke. <laughs> For almost 25 years, Kane was a reliable guy to feud with someone just as their career was losing steam. Feuding with Kane is actually worse for your career than being future endeavored. 
<laughs> the only time Kane's ever had genuine heat is in 1998 or any time he's standing next to his own pyro. <laughs> and finally, Bruce Pritchard was so proud of the Kane character that he named his son after him. And he named his daughter Amber after all of those alerts Grizzly Smith set off. (laughs) 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 Yes. Uh, (laughs) uh, uh, Kane was called the Big Red Machine, which given the history of wrestling, I'm just glad wasn't the nickname for a Native American wrestler. (laughs) Kane wrestled as the Christmas monster for SMW which was instant heat because people in Kentucky don't like Jews. (laughs) Kane studied English literature. Proof you can find work with that degree if you're seven feet tall and willing to light yourself on fire. (laughs) Kane and The Undertaker formed a tag team called the Brothers of Destruction, a name that used to only apply to the Von Erichs. (laughs) Kane has competed at more WWE pay-per-views than any other performer, a testament to his work ethic, his drawing power, and his ability to not get caught with steroids or underage hookers. Kane was trained by Dean Malenko, because when you think towering big men, you think Dean Malenko. (laughs) Kane wrestled as fake Diesel. Fans realized he wasn't the real Kevin Nash because he wasn't a complete asshole and he never tore his quads. Kane was part of the infamous Katie Vick segment in which Triple H, dressed as Kane, fucked a corpse, which was generously provided by Jimmy Snuka. (laughs) Kane starred in the WWE Studios movie See No Evil, which surprisingly wasn't about the Ring Boy scandal. (laughs) Kane's character was known to switch between babyface and bad guy, but became solidified as a heel when he was elected as a public official Republican. (laughs) <laughs> in his debut Kane wrestled as Angus King because Wendy's double stack was already taken <laughs> Kane competed in Puerto Rico as Doomsday in tribute to Bruiser Brody who met his on that island <laughs> Kane famously wrestled as Isaac Yankum and while he was the first wrestling dentist he was hardly the first wrestler to pretend to be a physician <laughs> the Kane character was so successful that Bruce Pritchard legitimately named his own son Kane. And much like the Kane character, Kane Pritchard hoped his real dad was Paul Bearer. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when Kane was unmasked, we expected to see a horribly burned and mangled face, and instead we got bloated Larry from the Three Stooges. <laughs> In the end, Kane was a homicidal maniac a horror movie monster come to life and still somehow more electable than Linda McMahon. (laughs) Uh, Dan. All right. My my first joke is a Scott joke. The devil's favorite demon? Is this the roast of Cain or little Nicky? (laughs) (laughs) Glenn Jacobs went into politics with Mark Calloway's beliefs, but left with the Undertaker's policies. (laughs) <laughs> he wanted to serve in the world's greatest country but spain wouldn't give him citizenship <laughs> he first appeared as the christmas creature which sounds like a children's book aj styles wrote about paul Heyman. the christmas <laughs> creature felt like he deserved eight days of christmas instead of one he and the other monsters called it chanaka <laughs> 
He lost to Jerry Lawler, which is ironic because Christmas Creature is the excuse his wife got when Santa delivered the wrong Beanie Baby. <laughs> In Indiana, Glenn wrestled his doomsday. I thought Indiana doomsday was when Moonlight won Best Picture. hey <laughs> As Isaac Yankum DDS, he feuded with Bret Hart. The feud with Yankum started when Bret chipped a tooth while sucking his own dick. <laughs> His fake gimmick, his second gimmick was fake diesel, but real indifference. The, the, <laughs> the character Kane debuted at Bad Blood, which is also the unofficial reason Johnny Ace released Hannibal. <laughs> Kane is what happens when you take away Eugene's Prozac. He was known as... He was known as the Big Red Machine, which sounds like Clifford on HGH. <laughs> Kane defeated Vader in a mask versus mask match, which ended in Kane taking Vader's mask and replacing it with the key to the city. <laughs> he went from being a mute to speaking to mute again, but only when Taker was bullying Chris Canyon. <laughs> Kane's first words were suck it which inspired the Orlando Jones catchphrase, don't mind if I do. <laughs> Kane's early voice sounds like what happened if Michael Douglas never stopped eating Catherine Zeta-Jones's pussy. <laughs> he shocked Shane McMahon's balls with electrodes which in typical wrestling fashion was stolen from Gangrel and Luna's wedding night. <laughs> Kane was obsessed with May 19th, but his supporters were focused on January 6th. <laughs> he fought Great Kali in a half the stadium is pissing match. He became corporate, <laughs> became corporate Kane, which shouldn't have worked, but did. I mean, imagine doing that with any other gimmick. Corporate CM Punk? Oh, wait, that's just Corey Graves. <laughs> Glenn Jacobs now gets his funding from the real Brothers of Destruction, Charles and David Koch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you, guys. Oh, man, take us home, Scotty. All right, Kane. Rednecks love him because he looks like how Dale Earnhardt died. <laughs> he's buried more wrestlers than steroid abuse his fire that shoots out is actually an std from luna vachon <laughs> kane's literally buried the most wrestler bret hart's figuratively buried the most wrestlers <laughs> when it comes to pete rose and kane pete thinks a bookie sent him <laughs> Takers set their childhood home on fire, even though their mother always said, no lighting crosses in the house. <laughs> Kane as mayor looks like Ogre when he joined the nerds. <laughs> He's Shrek if Shrek wanted to drain the swamp. He's like Luchasaurus, but it's his politics that are prehistoric. Hey, Scott joke. If you take the R out of Mayor, you also get his voters' favorite food. <laughs> it's mayo. Uh, of course, the guy who lives in fire isn't concerned with global warming. 
Jesse Ventura thinks 9-11 was an inside job and Kane is just happy the job wasn't outsourced. <laughs> he he looks like man bear pig facially. <laughs> uh, Kane's theme was also Benoit's wedding entrance. Dr. Yankum, the name Yankum was inspired by what Pat Patterson would do to ring boys peepees. <laughs> He'd yank him. Fake Diesel, <laughs> fake Diesel is also what Vin Diesel whispered under his breath every time he spoke to The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> the Brothers of Destruction is what the frightened women of upstate New York call the Cuomos. <laughs> Uh, he's not the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but he loves that in Texas, a man's free to do a thing like that. <laughs> the storyline of a perceived dead brother coming back to life to seek revenge was inspired by his Kane belief uh, was inspired by his belief that JFK Jr. will return. <laughs> the, uh, a big red machine was the only place you could rent see no evil. <laughs> 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 All right, we got one or two, right? See no evil is also WWE Saudi policy. <laughs> and finally, shocking Shane's balls, tombstoning, tombstoning Linda, and they say the million dollar man is who Vince would be if he wrestled. <laughs> uh, the rest of Kane, that was a fun one. Yeah. And, and, and sets up our show in hell perfectly. Uh, our show in hell this week is... Kane McMahon electrifying Kane's nuts. Uh, I was not watching wrestling at this time, but I, I shout out to Wrestle Recaps for for the recap. Um, this wasn't a bad feud, from what I read. I, I wasn't watching wrestling, but pretty good story. Good reason to bring wait, Shane wait, wait, back. Wait, wasn't this Kane shocking Shane? Yes, Kane shocking Shane's nuts. Dan Did only watched the, the porn parody. Uh, <laughs> did I uh, did I say the other way? Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah, was yeah. Like, is there, was there more I didn't see? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, you know, so was, was yeah. this peak Bischoff? Was this peak like Bischoff being GM or no? I think so. Yeah. He was he was GM for a couple of years, so it's hard to call any of it peak. Um, it just sort of happened. Yeah, I remember this happening in middle school, and middle school was really tough at home, and it. And, and then I couldn't escape to wrestling because it was somehow worse. <laughs> I remember feeling like wrestling let me down more than my father. And maybe that's how I had to deal with it. But you know what? I'm alive. And so. I feel, I feel like one of our listeners is going through a divorce. Just heard that and been like, me too, buddy. Me too. Yeah, I this was the peak of of, of my uh, coming back into wrestling. This was this was one like they'd give a jar of ass cream to Edge and Christian. It would just say the word ass cream on it. This was the level <laughs> of writing in like 2003. <laughs> and this was I remember this was so funny because I think this was like one of the first fuse after Kane lost the match. And so you're like, oh, he's going to be so much more evil and malicious. And he's just shocking balls. <laughs> <laughs> um, His storylines always around this time were just the, the goofiest shit. Like, because he does, I think he, he, like the Snitsky stuff is after this. I mean, 
essentially stuff was later yeah yeah and, and even that just the, the idea that like he starts off as the heel because he's basically like assaulting lita but then now he's the baby face because he's upset that his rape baby uh got miscarried <laughs> well he's it, this one this one he was a heel with shane shane was the baby face in this one yeah but, yeah, like but very like adam's family values adam's family values is that the name of the movie like the yeah, second yeah. one where it's like this was that time period it was just extra it's, corny like un- uncle fester was played by christopher christopher lloyd it, it's like that it's like uh this isn't the can well, I, I'm, I like also i think like it's so funny to hear jr here because you know jr calls out all the stupid shit on dynamite but like he went with all the stupid shit with WWE, man. I mean, he, he, he said, uh, he, he, I mean, like he, he yelled, eat some steel cane, you dirty, no good bastard. I was like, this is fucking awesome, man. Like when JR is into something, it's great, dude. Um, it, it's how, you know, how financially stable JR is with how much he's willing <laughs> to sell this shit. Yeah. Like, he's opening a fucking weed farm now. Yeah, because that'll that'll make him seem more coherent on television. Give him more access to <laughs> cannabis. But yeah, no, this yeah, is there's no WCW. Yeah, there's no WCW. There's no TNA. This is really the only game in town, and they were trying so hard to recapture the Attitude Era that it was no idea was too stupid of an idea. And of course, Vince is going to say, "Well, why don't we shock my son's balls?" Uh, right around the time that he was feuding with Stephanie, where they had a match. So yeah, everything was uncomfortable about Vince at this point in time. Um, Van, can we just say, Robert? No, I'm sorry. I just want to say Van Damonator uh, is the greatest, but most suspend disbelief move ever. Like I'm just gonna hold this while you destroy my fucking face. It's so bizarre, but still, it's it's, really it's safer than taking a kick from Rob Van Dam to the face directly. <laughs> I'd rather have Steve uh, able to soften the blow. Mike. <laughs> uh mark uh, i mean mike what did, what were you saying sorry oh I was, I, was gonna, I, was, I was gonna say do you think that um vince like imitating russo is worse than russo yes because at I least with know. at least with Man. russo well no because at least when in the russo era russo would come up with something insanely stupid and vince would water it down and make yeah, but it russo up. and wcw mike's talking uh, about Oh, Russo and WCW. No, Russo and WCW was fucking I mean, terrible. we just the, watched a fucking pinata match with Hoover Right, but the, the, no, the problem with, with Vince in this era was nothing was original, nothing was memorable. It was just trying to recapture lightning in a bottle, and it became more and more desperate. It's the, to keep with Scott's, like, kids movie thing, like, this is, like, D3, the Mighty Ducks, uh, mm-hmm. where we're just trying the same formula of what's something wacky that could happen to a McMahon I know. Let's have Kane shock his balls, because if you think Kane in a horror movie, you think it was really uncomfortable when they did that in Mighty Ducks. By the way, very uncomfortable. Now, well, now, Disney now, Plus censors that. Now, now, uh, now, here's the question: When Shane shows back up with his kids at his Hell in a Cell match, does that retcon the storyline? <laughs> oh God, I remember they they had hired a writer to write the Undertaker and Kane biography of their characters. And trying to make sense, trying to make sense of the Kane character biography is one of the funniest things ever because they legitimately is still out or no? Is what still did that book ever get released? I think oh, it yeah. did. Yeah, I think it did. Yeah, yeah it did. Yeah, because uh, it was right around the time like of Cena Weaver. Story. Yes, it was their kayfabe story. But what was amazing was they made a mask 
for what Kane's face was supposed to look like underneath the mask and then realized it wasn't going to work. So then the story just became, all right, we were joking. He really wasn't burned. He just thought he was the whole time. Um, and to make any sense of it whatsoever is insane. It is insane. I made up a word. Cool. It's insane. But the, that's the beauty of that character, that it survived. He all takes of off these his different... mask and it's Hornswoggle. Yes, he takes off the mask. And the best part is when he first takes <laughs> off his mask, they sell it as he's the most horrifying looking thing ever. And it's just Glenn Jacobs. I remember <laughs> seeing that. And he, but he had like little like patches of hair and yeah. stuff like kind of Costanza y. Like it was just. It was really sad because it was just like, you could tell it was their way of saying like, this guy's fucking ugly. <laughs> yeah. He made like an I smell shit face to kind of look uglier. Yeah. <laughs> he's genuinely a, just a scare. Like in Ceno Evil, he's not, there's, he's not wearing a costume. It's just Glenn Jacobs running around killing people. Well, I, we all know the, 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 well, we covered Ceno Evil on the Patreon, I think, when it was Total F and Marks. Yeah. Robert, I don't know if you were around then. It was me and Scott, I believe. Um, but the story about Ceno Evil is that uh, Vince really wanted to put uh, Glenn Jacobs having like a four foot cock. So I guess there's a deleted scene somewhere in Stanford where fucking Kane takes out his dick and it's just, like it's like a Virgil dick, so like uh, I guess Wait, the, is Virgil his dick? <laughs> Virgil, yeah, he takes it out and it's, it's bigger it's than four feet. Swaggle dresses Virgil. Um, what sucked but yeah, about it was working there. We had to all go see See No Evil for the premiere because they didn't want to do a real premiere, so they staged it in Stamford. So it was all the employees going. And what freaked me? I hate horror movies. I I, I hate jump scare horror movies. I should say. So I wasn't thrilled about having to go see this. And the worst part was Kane was sitting two rows behind me. So the monster in the movie is true. And he was laughing every time there was like a horrifying kill. It was fucking traumatic. And then we all had to go out of the theater and do the like, hey, I just saw this movie. It's the greatest thing ever. You should go see it too. Um, thankfully, I didn't make the cut because I was not remotely convincing that I enjoyed a second of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> And also, Waller was really good at selling the spooky shit, too. Like, he was, him and JR were totally down for, for the spooky shit. No, so also, face bigger demons. <laughs> that's also, it's, it's, that's, it's, it's kind of funny that JR hates a guy dressed as a ghost on dynamite, but like a guy actually pretending to be the, the son of Satan, he's totally down for that. Yeah, but it's also because like he's from Memphis and they like mummies. And remember, it was like, Moltar, the volcano guy, and all this shit. Like, yeah, Kane, yeah, yeah, Kane yeah. was like subtle compared to <laughs> some of the goofy Jerry Jarrett shit. Kane I, was nuanced compared to Unabomber. <laughs> I remember one of the, the most one of the most embarrassing times watching wrestling with with my wife was we, we were in New Orleans, and it was it was raining, and we put on Monday Night Raw, and it was that segment where. Kane, remember like Kane came back as like Demon Kane with the mask. It was like the whole thing with him and Zack Ryder. Yep. And he just he did this like 20 minute promo about embracing hate. And it was so bad because like they'd never given him that much mic time. <laughs> no, that was when they gave him the welder's mask and his well, finish. Yeah. And he has the coolest finishing moves because you got the tombstone and the choke slam. And then his finishing move at the time was just, I'm going to slowly choke you. <laughs> and he did it to John Cena, and it was like 20 minutes of him just holding Cena's neck and choking him. And I guess John I, I thought it was—I thought he was a good promo. It's just they had him say the dumbest shit. It's like the Alexa Bliss syndrome over and over again. Didn't they, didn't they make like 
Zack Ryder like a cuck with Eve Torres, and then she like ended up wanting to be with John Cena. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he, like, he like threw Zack Ryder off of. Yeah, yeah, he threw him off the stage. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in a wheelchair. <laughs> Guys, not happened. only do we watch this stuff, we made a podcast about it. <laughs> it's also why I never I never criticize my time there because it could have been ten times worse. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Remember when the Kane X Pac Tori Wilson storyline culminated in um Kane getting revenge by beating the shit out of Tori? <laughs> yes, in the story no, where they talked about how which was also weird because they talked about how his dick had been burned off in the fire, and then he got Lita pregnant. So. Uh, no, you know, I mean, we demand we demand continuity for Kane's dick. Hey, oh, it's I, not the it, it's it's not the scars of the ship; it's the motion in the ocean. By uh, the way, Kane's burnt off dick more effective than uh, Matt Hardy's full. <laughs> also, Kane's burnt off dick is the name of Jeff Hardy's band. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're not going to get better than that. Let's get to Dynamite or Dud this week. I'm going to stay for the We Must Hate Ourselves World Cup after Dynamite or Dud. Switch it up a little bit. Hour one, we have CM Punk versus Bobby Fish, a Malachi Black promo, MJF versus Bryce Donison, a Pinnacle Darby segment, uh, Sammy versus Ethan Page, a and a Daniel Bryan, Eddie Kingston backstage segment. Mike, what did you think of this first hour? Fucking great. Uh, yeah. I mean, this whole show, I think, was one of their best shows. And, and I really liked the Saturday one, too. And, and this one was even better. I just had a fun pace. The Boston crowd was hot. You you opened with a really good match. Uh, you know, Punkin' Bobby. You know, yeah, you know the guy with the the fish on his pants is gonna lose because he's the guy with the fish on his pants. But uh, you know, it was good. I I love. I, I I want the internal monologue of CM Punk every time he comes out in the pants instead of the shorts. Uh, <laughs> I love that we're just we're just seeing a man's insecurity. It's um, whether or not he ate donuts that morning. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah um but no man uh i fucking love the the brian and uh kingston backstage segment was oh it's great it was incredible because it was also it was like you kind of needed someone to say that about kingston and brian was the perfect guy to say it because it's like the fact that brian like got where he was and he's even like smaller and all that and, and was an independent guy he is the dude to be like, shut the fuck up, dude. We all had it hard. Um, yeah. That was awesome. I kind of wish he said it to his face, um, but it was still, it was still great. And uh, and and you know, Kingston is is awesome. I hear the, the MJF, match is phenomenal this Friday too. Yeah, yeah, I heard it's great. Um, the MJF uh, Darby stuff with Sting and all that. I mean, they're using Sting so well and so effectively, and I, I really loved. Uh, you know, we, we have another costume thing later. I preferred that one, but this one was fun too with the Darby as like the invisible man. But this, and then just Darby just saying full gear, like that's all you need. I don't even need to see them interact. I mean, I want to because I love MJF's promos, but uh, I, I feel like this pay per view is being more well built than a lot of them. And the card is fucking stacked. Well, we know uh, that the card was written a while ago thanks to uh, Forbes magazine. Yeah, that's fine with me if it yeah. makes for a good show. Yeah. Yeah, I don't care. Scott, what did you think of this first hour? 
Oh, I thought it was amazing. I, I really, I just thought it was fantastic. Uh, you know, o- only topped by the second hour, I guess. But yeah, everything worked for me. This maybe was my favorite punk match. I love that he's getting over body slams as a move, you know, that like takes a moment and feels effective. Uh, I think that is really cool. I like that they worked on, you know, Bobby worked on punk's knee and leg and, and the way he had to crawl at the end and barely got the pin, uh, it all all worked for me. Scott, yeah, I, I mean, I I I, 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 I agree, Scott. Um, I, I the only the only bump that I had this entire hour was Jericho quoting Aerosmith in the promo. <laughs> I'm like, you could take the man out of the booze cruise, but you cannot take the booze cruise out of the man. Oh, Jericho. Jericho is becoming Greg Valentine. It's <laughs> wild to see. I, I didn't know that was the first hour. So yeah, the Sammy match. Holy shit. That student uh, shooting star press to the outside. Like, Oh my God. Moments on this show, uh, you know, on these shows, every episode has a highlight reel of moments and, uh, it's going to be really cool to look back on, on, you know, these things and go, Oh my, Oh yeah. Remember that episode? And, you can like recall three things that happened on it because uh, the show is, you know, very much a highlight reel. I was going to say the only body slams uh, CM Punk can't take are the ones tweeted about him. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought um, first, I thought this first hour was, was really, it was a lot of fun because I watched just to prepare. So I was sure what we're going to cover. I watched Rampage and the Saturday Dynamite and this Dynamite all in one block. Um, so some of it blurred together a little bit, but a lot of stuff stood out here. It's weird that Bobby, on the back of Bobby Fish's trunks, like the fish looks like the fish carcass from like a Heathcliff cartoon. And that's what always distracts me. But I love that not only did they build a CM Punk storyline, which I'm happy to see, it's he saved this, you know, some guy from getting beat up by fish. You get the match, you get a payoff. I like that they're turning Bobby Fish into like Tony Khan's own version of Curb Your Enthusiasm's spite store. It's like, oh, you didn't do anything with this guy. I'm going to make him an absolute killer. You didn't do anything with Tony Nese. I'm going to keep cutting to him in the crowd like he really matters. I like that aspect of what AEW is doing. I used to like when WWF would do it when they got a WCW guy or ECW would rehabilitate someone. They, they did NXT. They would do it with the with the signees and shit. Which oh, yeah, they, they definitely would. But I like that it's the guys that WWE put as cast offs. And like, we're going to make all these guys seem important. MJF's promo was awesome. Uh, the uh, making fun of the Boston accent that your, your mom tells you to go harder. Um, his promo on the other Dynamite's worth mentioning too, where he talked about uh, Sting still had his stash from the 80s floating around in his hair. Uh, MJF's absolutely fucking killing it. The only thing that's kind of weird for Sammy and Ethan was after the match and they set this fight, it's a Minneapolis street fight. And given everything that's happened in Minneapolis in the last few years, maybe we should avoid anything <laughs> happening in the streets. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, think, I think what he said was the, uh, that his stash is falling from the sky, that all the snow that comes down. Yes, that's what I mean, it is. And then the Luger joke. Oh, it's fucking awesome. Uh, he, he's, they're, they're absolutely killing it. I, I thought for a second Darby was dressed as Rorschach, Rorschach from uh, Watchmen. It was clearly the Invisible Man. It was definitely because it. it no, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was Rorschach. I just saw the trench man? coat and I was just like, I don't know. It's just the best use of costumes. Well, Invisible Man, Austin in the yeah. Attitude Era. I love oh, Austin. Yeah, it was awesome. Also, no right, Dan well, Lambert. Hour, even better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hour two, we have the Lucha Brothers promo. Serena Deeb for Sheeta. 10 versus Moxley, although it was just fucking John Moxley brutalizing 10. Awesome. Uh, 
an FDR promo, a Cody Andrade promo, uh, and Dark Order versus the Super Elite. Robert, what did you think of the second hour? I didn't like the second hour as much as the first hour. Uh, there seemed like a little bit more filler. Like the Lucha Brothers promo and the FTR promo felt a little repetitive. They're both kind of saying the same thing. I loved the Moxley 10 match. I know That's it was awesome. critical. the same thing Tom Hardy does in Warrior when he just walks off. Yeah, I, I, I was somewhat critical of the, what he did uh, against Yuta, but I loved Moxley's promo that he did on one of these shows where he's just backstage and he's like, now that I have a kid, my daughter held my finger. I don't give a shit about wrestling. All I got to do is go out there and win, and I'm just going to beat the fuck out of wherever's in front of me. And him ripping the mask off 10 and like, bloodying him up was just, I thought it was fucking fantastic. The Cody Andrade. 10, 10 without a mask is so silly looking. He is so he's got silly a looking. goofy looking face. Um, the <laughs> Cody Andrade black pock thing doesn't really work for me all that much. Because again, it feels like it's a lot of WWE cast offs. I just don't know why Andrade and, and Aleister Black are friends uh, or Malachi Black. Sorry, but I don't know like why they would connect with each other in any way, shape or form. And then the main event was just, I mean, it was goofy fun. Um, Jim Ross stepped all over the surprise, which I knew he was going to do because it was clear that Stay Puff Marshmallow Man was going to be someone. I thought it was either Jungle Boy or Hangman. But then when they bring the horse out and they're beating up the horse and I was like, well, we think we know who that horse is, but we're not sure. I'm like, just wait a fucking over telegraph a cool moment. Uh, but it was a great moment. He for hated that. The match was so much fun. And he fucking hated that match. Oh, like, he, he hated it. It was a blast. We don't need that every week, but like having a match like that once a month is, is fun, man. It was like a fun Halloween. I also love the IP fight that came out where I guess the elite wanted to be dressed as characters from Squid Game and TNT and Warner stepped in and said no. And they said, you need to be the Ghostbusters. And some uh, this music uh, producer wrote that he got called at like five o'clock in the afternoon that day to remake the Ghostbusters theme for the elite and produce it in three hours. And he like live tweets how trying to get this thing done quickly. Yeah, it's so, called I Ain't Afraid of No Budge. I guess the budget, like it would cost, a, I don't know, but yeah. It's it's goofy synergy. Um, I, I'm sure Mike has thoughts on Adam Cole as a Ghostbuster, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, it, it was it was a fun two hours of television with nothing to really dislike. So it was a thumbs up. Uh, Scotty? All right. So, yeah. So what this hour started with? Oh, man. I mean, you the, the Serena Deeb uh, Sheeta match was I thought it was one of the best women women's matches AEW's had. I know. OK, you go. Oh, that's not saying much. But I mean, legitimately, it was a phenomenal match. This match was, it was very good. Very oh, good. dude, I thought it was bonkers. Yeah, I I, uh, I, I absolutely loved it. Then uh, what else happened in this hour? I'm just scrolling through the results. Uh Oh yeah, Dart Ten versus Moxley. I love the Moxley turn. Fans are actually getting pissed about it, which is cool. It's not like uh, when a lot of guys turn heel and everyone gets excited, uh, which I'm happy about. The Cody thing, I thought that ruled hard, man. I thought the Cody thing uh, was awesome. Like he said, everything that. I agree. People do think, and it's like, how do you not for a moment go like, oh shit, yeah, that must actually be hard when he says that his father, you know, has like this cultural legacy that he could never match up to and saying that Dustin was better. It, it was, uh, it was cool. I mean, okay. You know, saying walk a mile in my shoes and then handing out your shoes, you know, that that's Cody's problem. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, he, he thinks everything is like an Oscar uh, performance in a movie. Uh, but damn, I, I thought it, it did everything it was supposed to do. And now we have this thing where Cody is like the John Cena of, uh, of the company, I guess. Then what the fuck happened? Except for oh. without the cheering part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, so, I mean, dude, it was like 40% of the P. I, I think he started I getting cheered. That, but, yeah, yeah, I think it did. But I don't know. I thought it served his purpose. And the fact that it's Boston, you want them to boo him, honestly. And uh, yeah, the last match I just loved so, so much. I thought it was a blast. You know, people are like shitting. Like one thing I've heard was, well, this is a serious storyline and you're at the home stretch and you're doing something goofy and it's like well no it matches like it it is serious it's just the elite don't take the dark order seriously and so we're gonna fuck off we're gonna goof around you know on dynamite on saturday hangman was like the elite are gonna dress up like the dark order had no plans to dick around and dress up it's just hangman Uh, they did i mean they did around they're gonna come dressed up and so when they go, oh, they're making a mockery. It's like, yeah, because they don't take this seriously. When they fight guys they're afraid of, they fucking work hard. You know, Brian Danielson, whatever the fuck, uh, Christian. Uh, so that'll Ooh. make sense to me. And then the mo- <laughs> and then that moment at the end, it's that's a real moment. That hangman pop wasn't just a silly pop. There's a part of you that's like, why am I so genuinely excited as this man takes off a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man mask? It's it's like the first time I enjoyed Ghostbusters in 10 years. It's really Apparently really the cool. new Ghostbusters is really good. Dude, and then also the um during the picture in picture, all the shit between Adam Cole and Omega. I don't know if you saw, but like yeah. Omega hugged Matt Jackson and Adam Cole kind of looked at him funny. And then there was a point where Omega went to do the kiss thing that Adam Cole does. And Adam Cole was like, oh, oh, get Uno or something. He went to get it and then Cole did it. And Omega was like scratching his head, so there's jealousy there. I like them hinting at that. Uh, yeah, there's there's a million things I liked about this match. I loved it. Mike. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a a Mike Lawrence match on a fucking platter. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I mean, I, I I tweeted I was upset that if Don Callis wasn't gonna be there, there should have been the painting of him as Vigo. Yes. Oh, that would have been great. Yeah, and. And I, I are Anderson and Gallows still around? Because they could have been the fucking terror dogs. You could have got all out, is all I'm saying. I think their impact uh, deal is like impact in AEW's relationship is legally over. Like technically, there's no there's no longer an actual like deal between the companies. Oh, nice. That just started like two weeks ago. That's why we haven't seen them. I heard. Yeah, but renewing so, so that for Tony Khan is like ten bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now both companies get to be successful on their own <laughs> uh, um <laughs> no man this was awesome i yeah the ftr and uh you know lucha brothers uh promo stuff it was fine it wasn't great but i want to see that fucking match and they didn't do too well, i do think phoenix is getting better i mean he's getting a lot better you know it wasn't yeah. great and um i the cody thing is tough because like especially after watching that first episode of roads to the top and you know how much those full gears are fucking grinding every time he's saying a promo and how much he wants you to think about it and care about it. Like, uh, I don't think that the, um, the, the final product always matches his enthusiasm. I, 
I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it was funny saying his dad's cultural legacy and like, yeah, his dad's cultural legacy by stealing from another culture. <laughs> uh, appropriation, his, cultural if you will. his cultural legacy is Cody marrying Brandy for coverage. <laughs> his cultural <laughs> legacy is just Al Jolson's cultural legacy. Uh, <laughs> but I, I thought, yeah, the main event, I, I can see people not liking it, but it was like, you know, I'm watching it and I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is like, you know, we always use the phrase like very indie riffing. Oh, I feel like I'm at an indie show. And I started saying that, but I'm like, oh, I like that though. Like I have fun there. Yeah. And because it was Halloween, you had the context. I even loved, I, I know I know Scott probably appreciated this, but yeah, the fact that the elite came out and there, there's something douchey about people in tandem costumes. There's just, there's just, there's just, there's something uh, uh, yeah, douchey about adult men cosplaying. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and it was fun that like, and then you saw the Dark Order like hodgepodge, like I'm Bambi, I'm Kratos. Uh, <laughs> and and I, I do think Stu's, Stu's Kratos was better than uh, Ciampa's this week because- I disagree. Dude, the body paint, Yeah, man. but Ciampa looked awesome, dude. Nah, but the body paint is Kratos. Uh, I, I thought it was better. Uh, and- just yeah that that page reveal at the end dude like matt sold the fuck out of that he made you believe that it was a legitimate moment and even like seeing this big puffy mushroom i mean sorry marshmallow costume and then like knowing that he like fucking clotheslined someone in it <laughs> it's like i can't tell if that's comfortable or if it hurts but this this whole thing i mean nakazawa in a baby like this yes. i fucking love this man oh i love it's jim ross cult. not understanding what was going on with the proton packs and he's like well they're oh. the protein packs <laughs> uh, whatever the hell they are like it's a 30 year old fucking movie. brutal too the spot looked awful but i also love the fact that in 2021 cm punk curtain jerked a show main evented by colt cabana uh that is fantastic great showing yes great showing yeah, this is, uh, I dude. Mean, also, like, I, I saw a lot of comments like, "Well, why are the bad guys dressed as the cool thing?" And it's like, "Well, because they're bullies, and bullies have better costumes than you, loser." No, because they're being the lady Ghostbusters. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, well, Adam Cole is definitely not Leslie Jones. <laughs> no, he is I, I, I also think that it, it's like Dusty Rhodes is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want things, Dusty Rose hosting Supermarket Sweep more than anything else. Yeah, but the other thing that I loved about that last that last match was that even though it was fucking silly, you know, AEW doesn't do this enough, is that it ended on a positive. That it did end with, like, the ragtag losers, like, celebrating together and the, you know, like, you know, like, the bullies just sulking away. Like, it, it made me more excited for the fucking Full Gear match. So, it worked. Yeah, I'm excited, man um all right well let's uh take your excitement down a notch mike because it's time for the we must hate ourselves world cup this week friar ferguson versus orlando sexual jordan predator wait orlando jordan sexual <laughs> predator sorry i i'm dyslexic um there's a lot of sexual predators in orlando <laughs> uh they, i love that they, they this character they're just like let's talk about orlando jordan first um this character was just like let's just do all the fuck parts of gold dust all the uncomfortable stuff that was too much let's just do that and uh he he 
He lowered on a fuck swing, which really should have been him and not Owen, let me just say. Um, oh, my fucking God. Sorry, sorry. Uh, he's still kind of, I don't know, man. The Ozone, it's the closest Dixie Carter will ever come to talking about the environment. Um, and Rob Terry, man. I mean, there's a segment I saw where Rob Terry was beating up Orlando Jordan. Rob Terry is dark horse. You know, if we ever do a worse wrestlers tournament, uh, dark horse, he could win the whole fucking thing, man. I mean, he, he's, it's just real bad. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Orlando Jordan, man, not great. You worked with Orlando, right, Robert? I did. Um, I worked with him in WWE and then, um, ironically enough, because I can't escape things in life when I was in law school, wound up uh, doing a, a sports law clinic and Orlando Jordan wound up being one of the, our clients that we worked with. So I helped negotiate uh, some of his deals and his pitches for TNA. And at no point in time was, you know, sexual chocolate predator, one of the things that was pitched. So this was them trying <laughs> to be provocative and it was, terrible but nowhere near as provocative as Friar Ferguson because nobody really gave a shit about the Orlando Jordan character but the Catholic Church reached out to Vince and was like you have to stop doing this character yeah uh, well I mean like I, I just think that Friar the Friar Ferguson's like a Friar is a, is way weirder and creepier to me than a bisexual you know what I mean like I love bisexuals like Friars they smell weird and you know, those nuts are just disgusting under that rub, man. Um, <laughs> really, really bad shit. I mean, his finisher was just looked like fucking death. Um, and he got they got heat from the Catholic Church, which is which is which is hilarious. Man. Which Not is bad for Bastion Booger to be the better option. Yeah, yeah that's way the better option. Scott, uh, we'll just I'll just ask you, who do you what is the worst gimmick? Friar Ferguson or Orlando sexual predator Jordan? Orlando sexual predator Jordan is a worse gimmick. Again, Friar, that's a scary thing, a Friar. Absolutely. And also, it's you're saying sexual predator without having to spell it, which is better, I think, you know? <laughs> uh, Mike, what's the worst gimmick? I mean, first off, I'm surprised no one called him Deep Friar Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing. That's better uh, than Bastion Booger. No, it's amazing that yeah. So the the guy who played him was was Mike Shaw. He was he was Norman the Lunatic in WCW. He was Bastion Booger, and he was also in Stampede. He was a guy named Makan Singh, and he was like their monster heel. Yeah, like he went against Brad. He went against oh, like he went against a lot of their top guys as this monster heel. Who I uh, from what I've heard was a, a great worker, and then just saddled with. Hey, all the other fat guys turn these gimmicks down. You need money. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can see, like, the guy's pretty fucking athletic. And, yeah, the, the gimmick just sucks. But, you know, this is the thing. It's like we have a lot of – I feel like half this tournament is 93 to 96 WWF <laughs> lower mid-carters. And, and a lot of them kind of blur together. And, and, and a lot of them feel like – bottom of the barrel that was only meant to rise a little bit whereas like the orlando thing is worse because you know the orlando thing feels like 
all right, well, I didn't get to be my full self in WWE. And then he comes to TNA and you're like, oh, Vince was right. <laughs> you know, like it's 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 un, like there's parts of it like the sexual fluidity like i i appreciate the progress of it that moment where he's like sitting there with the the guy and the girl and he's bisexual and all of that and the symbols and everything it's kind of cool but neither sex wants to be represented by orlando jordan <laughs> so I, I feel like he's he's the worst gimmick, and he just he just was never very good as a wrestler. And uh, I also feel like it's the kind of thing like you compare him to Goldust, like, but you can see Orlando was still like kind of nervous. You have to like fully commit to a gimmick like that, and and the fact that it was based in some truth, and he still felt uncomfortable, uh, made the thing fall apart even more. Well, but, but I mean. You know, like on the surface, creep wasn't the gold dust gimmick. The gold dust was this, you know, throwback Sunset Boulevard uh, film lover, you know? And so it was a little bit less heavy handed than them just coming out and being like, hey, this is exactly what it is. Uh, Robert, we have two votes right now for Orlando Jordan, which is the worst gimmick? Um, I'm going to go with Orlando Jordan just because Fire Ferguson wasn't the worst gimmick that Mike Shaw had. I think Bastion Booger is worse. So by default, I have to go with him, though. If we combine these two characters and it was a friar sexual predator, you'd just have Jeff Ross. <laughs> now, 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 Robert, is is is, is Bastion Booger's gimmick just how Vince sees all fat people? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, it, it's uh, it, the costume alone. Like, I don't understand. It looked like just like duct tape was strategically wrapped around baby Huey. <laughs> and it made no sense whatsoever. And it was clear death for a guy that, yes, Bret Hart always said that he was talented, but it's it's Bret Hart. So let's take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, but if Bret Hart is saying that someone else is talented because of their own talent, he never fucking does that, man. That means you're really talented. Well, no, he was talented because he was not a threat to him. <laughs> well, you know, as far as being a big fat guy, he was a great big fat guy, but I was yeah, uh, he, he likes a lot of fat spot. guys. He liked Bam Bam. He liked Andre. He loves a fat dude. Most good-looking guys do. Um, yeah, all right. That's a queen seat for me, Orlando Jordan. Remember that story of him, like, going home to his wife and saying, like, I got to wrestle Yokozuna. Can you pretend to be Yokozuna? And, like, he put her in the sharpshooter. Yes, I remember that. That was actually the first time they had touched in five years. <laughs> and the first uh, time she was repulsed by him. <laughs> um. All right, folks, let's get to high spot, low spot. We'll go high spots first. I'm going to start with my, I have two. My runner up is uh, the end of actually Bound for Glory had one of the, it wasn't as good as the Seth Rollins cash in or the edge, first edge cash in, but it was a pretty great cash in. I mean, they, they basically have this last chance battle royal and it's, it's battle royal instead of money in the bank, but it's the same premise as money in the bank. Mo, uh, Moose cashes in, but the way he cashes in, uh, Josh Alexander's like wife and son were still in the ring. So like, as he's pushing them out of the ring, he turns around and he gets flattened by a moose spear. And it was just such an awesome visual uh, and such a great heel heat. And it's good that they're going to be focused on two guys, you know, who are, who are impactors for the next, you know, year or whatever. A moose um, spear is what Brett gave his wife. <laughs> and also, but, but my real one, I'm going to say is the Cody promo. Uh, he, here, here's why 
we've never really seen this before. We've seen the Cena version where he has to act like a face and kind of hint at that you want me to be a heel, but we've never had a guy just come out and say, you want me to heal, be a heel, but I'm going to be a baby face. My theory is that Cody is already a heel. Like if Cody keeps doing this, it's more heelish. If he becomes a baby face, he's going to get cheered. Uh, Meltzer was talking about that today. And if he becomes a heel, he's going to get cheered. You're saying, yeah, if he becomes a heel, he's going to get cheered. Apparently Roman now is getting cheered higher than Brett and Sean on top of his baby faces levels. Like he's really doing well. He's obviously not, you know, we're Brian. Wait, wait, Dan, how did you know what Meltzer said? Uh, I heard from a little bird, little bird, that damn little bird. It's always getting in my ear. I think our next Uh, Patreon is going to be the, uh, the intervention. (laughs) <laughs> a, a stuttering spastic little bird <laughs> <laughs> a little bird that sounds like a little robot um yeah so that, that that's my high spot this week mike what's your high spot this week i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with uh last night's show man just because it was it was so fucking fun and it made me really excited uh to like wrestling and to be like a lot of times like I'm ashamed or I get through wrestling and I'm like, all right, this was fine. But I was just like smiling the whole fucking time. And then the end feeling good. It was like, oh yeah, this is why I still watch this shit. And this is, you know, this is rare that this is happening in 2021. And some of my favorite wrestling ever is when I'm 38 years old, but it's, it's a good feeling. And, and I feel like, um, like I said before, they're really building this pay-per-view well and uh, I'm super excited for it. I'm, I'm, I'm more pumped for this one than I was for All Out. I know All Out was like their most important in terms of a pivotal moment. But this is the first one after that moment has happened. And I think they're just making so many great decisions. So I'm excited. Awesome. Robert, what's your high spot this week? The main event of Monday Night Raw was a four-way ladder match. Uh, great. Rey Mysterio, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor. And uh, it was a hell of a lot of fun uh, for, a, you know, for what I thought we were going to get for a raw main event versus what they actually delivered. Those guys went out there and treated it like it was a pay-per-view and they treated it like we're happy to get to go out here and actually wrestle. Uh, I love that the raw main event scene right now is just these guys from SmackDown and that you're treating a guy like Mysterio or Finn seriously. Uh, same with Kevin Owens. They went out there and killed it. It was a hell of a lot of fun. Um, I'm excited to see, kind of what they wind up doing with it but just in terms of match quality it's fantastic so thanks for not watching live dan the dan saint germain curse of raw strikes again i know i, I actually did watch the last hour live i thought it was it was very good scott what's your high spot this week brother my high spot is just specifically that main event i think i think it was uh from uh, dynamite the- or raw dynamite dude what what, what? <laughs> do you know who you're talking what to what show do you think this is the twilight zone uh no yeah i thought i thought the main event of dynamite i mean it was it it was ghostbusters like they like they did so much in the match they told like four different stories as well as acted out scenes from ghostbusters like who the fuck has ever done anything even kind of like that it was an absolute blast it's uh it's like when you watch, it's the difference between watch, like feeling like you're watching a Halloween special and feeling like you're at a Halloween special. That felt like I was 
a part of a really fun thing. It was cool. All right. What's your low spot this week, Scott? Ooh. Oh, man. I, I, I mean, it's probably everybody's low spot, but Ring of On. I mean, it's a high and a low, actually, but uh, I, I'll explain it as a low right now. But Ring of Honor, uh, you know, kind of going dark after their um, final battle pay-per-view in December. Final battle is actually the name of the pay-per-view uh, as well as what might might be uh what happens with ring of honor yeah it's just unfortunate i guess their plan is to come back in april but the idea is when they come back they won't have anybody contracted to them they'll just be you know using them per night whoever the hottest independent stars are at the time and they'll try to figure it out then but then you run into a situation where it's like well how does ring of honor have a world champion then how does ring of honor maintain any storyline that lasts longer than two weeks if at any moment uh, WWE or AEW could sign these guys. Uh, so yeah, I just, I feel bad for, I, I'm excited. It's a, it's a positive because I'm excited for people like Bandito and ring of honor because they are going to get work. And I feel bad for the lower tier guys that might be fucked a bit. Uh, because yeah, as of now, I mean, as of yet two days ago, now that, you know, it's Friday, this is released. Yeah. No one is contracted to, ring of honor they you know they have these matches that they will be having up until december but they can go anywhere they can sign with wwe today AEW today yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna echo what what you've said scott ring of honor is definitely my low spot runner-up greg hamilton got fired i always thought he was pretty good uh another runner-up is uh, explaining to my wife that i bought impact on our couples card um but we'll <laughs> <laughs> just her asking what is this what it's is this about the impact of global warming babe i'm trying to do my part <laughs> i mean it does count as a charity <laughs> uh, Mike, Funny, there's lots of wrestlers in need of food <laughs> <laughs> actually let's, let me hold off on mike's low spot because we got to ask him some fan questions robert what's your low spot this week so I have two. The first came from SmackDown this past uh, Friday. Should be no surprise. Charlotte Flair's unprofessional behavior in the ring uh, during a, during the main event segment. She wasn't happy that they were doing a title swap segment, and she kind of went into business for herself. She dropped the title on the floor. She was unprofessional in the back. She had words with with Becky that almost became a physical altercation. Sonya Deville wants to kick her ass. They've now pulled her from media appearances. This is not a we're, we're pulling a work shoot no this is charlotte just being unprofessional which is problematic in the sense that she has been treated on tv as a big deal for the majority of her career and and this sort of, of behavior that's going on is is really lousy and i'm hoping that this is just a bump in the road and it moves on but it was really shitty, and I'll echo everybody else's. I think the Ring of Honor thing is unfortunate because while I hope that they recapitalize and come back in April, I remember when WCW went dark and they said they're coming back in a few months. My my hope, my my long shot hope in terms of positivity, given the number of people who are in AEW who value and love and appreciate Ring of Honor, including Danielson and Punk, this is an opportunity now for Tony Khan. Open up the checkbook, purchase Ring of Honor, get the library, continue to run Ring of Honor, open up the checkbook further, purchase Impact, get that library, 
do the deal with HBO Max to set up a streaming platform on there that's going to rival what Peacock has right now, make this all available and accessible, help people continue to have jobs. That's that's where I ultimately see this potentially going. I think Punk cares enough about the future of wrestling that if he could have control of Ring of Honor and train guys and, and run that, he would be thrilled and happy to do that. They have their own touring wing and continue to operate on, on that end. There's a lot of great content in ROH's library and Impact's library that's just not available to the broader culture. And the fact that there are these streaming wars going on, I think it seems like a slam dunk and something that really only Tony Khan could pull together. So that's my dark horse hope that that's how this thing ultimately plays out. But uh, who the hell knows? All right, Mike, before you get in your low spot, what is our, uh, what is our Twitterverse bubbling about? I'll, I'll just say my, uh, my, my low spot first. It's quick. Um, our Lord and Savior, QT Marshall, suffered <laughs> uh, quite the injury uh, against uh, 10 on Dark Order. So, so shouts up to Moxley for avenging uh, the honor of QT Marshall. But uh, he posted online, he got a big fucking uh, black eye. Um, so knowing that the black, black eye of wrestling got a black guy, uh, <laughs> makes me sad, but he took that potato and, and uh, turned it into wine. Yeah. But I will say, uh, yeah, speedy recovery to, to QT Marshall and I miss him on the show. Like he is fun to make fun of. Uh, he is enjoyable. I do miss him on the show too. I was about to say that. Like I miss, I miss QT on impact. It's so I mean, weird I mean, because I mean, now that I'm you're sorry, like, dynamite. Now that you know, now that you have like uh, you know Danielson and, and Punk and Cole and Riot, it's like they've replaced like people that shouldn't be on TV with people that should, and it feels not fully like AEW. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I want I want my Camarado back. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, the Twitter question this week was. Um, is Dave Meltzer's uh, birthday, and I asked the Twitterverse what would be the perfect gift for Dave Meltzer's 60th birthday. Uh, at bleeding uh, underscore blue 20 said, a Nick Jackson-shaped body pillow that was sewn in the Tokyo Dome by evil, and when you hug it, it says, you rule. <laughs> at Vyarenzophone, uh, Japanese citizenship. <laughs> at belly float a robot that says tell me about the history of japanese professional wrestling then replies with uh-huh yeah oh really for the next 16 hours at steve Laurie, uh dan st germain's upfront payment for uh his observer membership for the next 60 months <laughs> at scott ferry uh five books uh that teach him how to help him stop stuttering at C. Duran Duran, an all-expenses-paid trip to New Japan Fantasy Camp, where at the end of the week, Okada lets Meltzer pin him like a Make-A-Wish kid. <laughs> By the way, these are all Scott birthday presents, too. Uh, <laughs> at, movie, yes. at Movie Guy, I guess, a trip to the Las Vegas Strip with his brother, Tom Cruise. <laughs> at Payoff Tom, Facts. <laughs> at PA underscore thrower seven seven punctuation and a skincare regimen. At A Santos three four two one Kenny Omega in a maid's outfit cleaning his dirty ass office. <laughs> at Benson SK 
a correction to this tweet that states he's actually 62, so he doesn't start stimming. <laughs> and finally, at plus underscore Lindsay, a large group of men between the ages of 18 to 49. <laughs> All right, best fans in the world. Next week, folks, we got uh, the roast of Scott Steiner for showing hell. I mean, of course, we've got to do Steiner math, right? I mean, there's no other, there's no other choice. Uh, we must hand ourselves World Cup. We're going to do Beaver Cleavage versus the Librarian. And as always, Dynamiter Dud and High Spot Low Spot. So next week should be a super fun show. The Roast of Nick Gage on Monday, like I said in every one of our call to action. Oh, check out our best of video. Join our YouTube page. Um, I kind of want to spread that around. So share the you know the best of video around and shit. Well, here, um, here's the thing. I'm going to say show and hell. We could talk about that. But Steiner Math is a bright side. I, I think we have an appropriate show and hell for Scott Steiner I'd like to suggest. What? His 2003 Royal Rumble match with Triple H. Uh, fuck you, Mike. I can't <laughs> believe this shit. All right, we're gonna do that. We'll, we'll Steiner math, and we'll do we'll do uh, uh, ain't that swell Steiner math, and then a show in hell, which is uh, Triple H and Scott Steiner at the 2003 Royal Rumble. I can't believe you're making us watch this match. Still better than the pose down. Or was it? Oh there, my god! There also, the... didn't he have a debate about concussions with Nowinski? Oh, no, we had a debate about the Iraq War with Nowinski. Uh, I'm guessing he's pro. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> the whole I thing can't was see like, Scott Steiner Harvard, being I'll like, show you I'm smart." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's camp. Scott Steiner. <laughs> yeah. I, I think our chances of exiting are 20% plus 30%. <laughs> All right, that was a bad Scott Center impression. Folks, uh, let, let's go to, to around the round. Robert, uh, any, anything for our audience to do? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. As Dan said, the Facebook group is a hell of a lot of fun. And uh, buy one of our shirts and one of us will reach out and give you a call. And uh, any of those that I've been a part of have been a hell of a lot of fun. So uh, thanks for the support, uh, Forbidden Dorks. All right, Mike? Yeah, uh, my uh, Instagram is at Mike Lawrence Comedy. And um, we know uh, how many of you are, are fans of Scott. And uh, buy a shirt, call him, you poor motherfuckers. <laughs> you only had rich people. With their money, calling lofty lawyer S. Robert, but the people <laughs> of the streets yeah. who still sip on their Capri Suns and eat their Lunchables oh. need to buy them shirts and call their God, their Lord and Savior, Scott Chaplin. I agree. Their dope dealer. <laughs> Robert, how many people, Robert, how many people have you talked to so far? Five, I believe. Oh, wow. Do they ask for legal advice? Mainly, yes. It's it's uh, my wife is leaving me because I can't stop watching wrestling. What do you recommend? <laughs> Get a new wife, bro. <laughs> uh, um, actually, don't do that. Stop watching wrestling, Scott. Uh, Scott underscore Chaplin. And a hey, happy Halloween, everybody. Oh, happy Halloween! Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Zach. Yeah. Zach, wash your hands. Wash your damn hands. We'll see you next week.